Welcome to the Investor Guys podcast. I'm Kevin Mills, and this gentleman with the grumpy monkey on his head is Mr. Bill Barnett. Better to have a grumpy monkey on your head than, I guess, it on your back, right? That's that's right. I feel like a lumberjack today. I've been out already this morning, so and it's cool here, so uh, I didn't have time to get in and um, get suited up, so... Uh, life of the real estate investor, right? Well, if it's any if it's any consolation, it's cool here, and it was raining. It's in the upper seventies this morning and raining, so cool here also. So yeah, um, different kind of cool. I've already I've already let my youngest know because uh, he wants to go to. Uh, he had this thought before, so Deion Sanders. Recently accepted the head coaching job at the University of Colorado, Colorado Buffaloes. And for the last two years, Pierce has been, I, I think I want to go to Colorado. And I'm like, why? Because I want to go somewhere it's cold. I'm like, okay, I, you need to talk to your brother who went to Oklahoma. And one of the reasons that he, uh, and it was way further down on his list than that, because, yeah, Dad, I want to go somewhere where it's cold. Uh, and <laughs> after about four months in Norman, he called me and he goes, yeah, I probably should have thought a little differently. He, he loves the school and is doing incredible there. In fact, uh, he's in his junior year now, but he was like, yeah, it's a little colder here than I thought it would be. That's a diff- <laughs> It's a big difference a three-hour drive north will make, huh? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and, and ironically, he's at OSU, which is where Neon Dion started. No, no he Sorry, is OU, not. OU, OU. 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 Yeah. No, Norman. Uh, where, where Dion Dion started. Yeah, Dion played at Florida State. So didn't didn't uh, Deion Sanders start at uh, OU? No, he played at Florida State. Who was it started was at, at OU? State. Yeah, no, who was it? I don't who know. Was, with Dion, who was it that started in? There was somebody who started back in the early nineties. Anyway, I don't know. Today so, we yeah. are talking about foreclosures. <laughs> Or continue, yeah, foreclosures in football. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that Dion's never been foreclosed. So. And I'm pretty, yeah, there's a good <laughs> likelihood. Um, let's continue on with that that topic because literally there's so much information that can be had on foreclosures, and there's no way that Bill and I can provide it all. We're going to provide a lot, and this is going to be a good start yeah. for you. Uh, do your homework definitely before you get into buying foreclosures. Uh, the two primary ways, and we, we touched on this a little bit on the last show, two primary ways really that you're going to be taking advantage of foreclosures is buying them directly from the, actually three ways, buying them directly from the steps at the courthouse. And that's where you go. You have to have almost cash in hand. You can have a, a cashier's check usually. Uh, you're going to buy them from the bank trustee or court trustee on the steps of the courthouse. Uh, the other way is to get them directly from the bank. The bank has a uh, we call them tapes in the industry, but it's literally uh, inventory of bank-owned properties. You can buy them directly from the bank. The other way is to get them through a real estate agent. The banks take their properties and they give them, they list them with real estate agents that they work with. Uh, they go on the MLS and you can work with any real estate agent at all to access uh, being able to purchase that property, being able to look at that property, uh, being able to make an offer on that property. So those are the three ways that you're going to be able to get a foreclosure property. I told you guys in the last episode that one of my favorite foreclosure stories was the house that I bought and lived in myself, which was a foreclosure that we bought from Bank of America, uh, which uh, 
Bill likes to call Bank of Satan. Uh, it was a Bank of America property. I'm pretty sure they actually acquired it through their countrywide purchase when they purchased yep. countrywide. Um, I think it was a countrywide note that they had purchased. Uh, we purchased that through a real estate agent. Um, it, it was not purchased directly from the bank. It was not purchased on the steps of the courthouse. Uh, at that same time, there were many properties that we were buying on the steps of the courthouse. There were many properties that we were buying on bank tapes as well. On uh, this particular property, we were shown by a real estate agent and uh, it was a good deal. Money was right and uh, we went ahead and made an offer on it. I made an all cash offer, closed really, really fast. And then we refinanced it ourselves. So we would have a note. So we'd have some uh, tax benefits for that. So when you're looking at, at foreclosures, one, learn what your local environment is on the buying process if you're going down to the steps. But all of these services out there, if you will Google Google foreclosure sales for your area, there is highly likely, unless you're in a tiny rural area, that it's highly likely that there is a company that will sell you the foreclosure list for your area. And so what happens and like, so let's take a look, we'll use Texas, I will, because that's what I'm so familiar with. We have a 21 day process. So most people go, Texas is the shortest foreclosure in the nation at 21 days. And yes, technically that is a true statement. It is not a 21 day process. The final step is 21 days. It's about a four month process the final step of that process when you and I have an opportunity to get involved on the foreclosure going forward, it's already been started, but going to the steps, that last piece of it is 21 days. So what you'll find is that foreclosure services that sell the, these lists of here's all the people that are coming up and find out when it is. Um, in Florida, they go all the time. Right? What Once a week they're doing, uh, the auctions uh, here statewide in Texas, it's once a month. It's the first Tuesday of each month. So you have this time frame. It takes typically about 48 hours for the services to get the list digitized and available to deliver to you once you hit that 21 day period. And here's everything that's going. So right now we'd be looking at January third or fourth, whatever that first Tuesday in January is. Uh, that'll be the next sale. December sale's already done. That'll be the next sale. So you can go to that sale date and back up 21 days from there. And that's when the information is available at the courts. And then typically about 48 hours past that. So now you're down to 19 days. You've got the list available that you can buy. Now you can go look. So technically that's still pre-foreclosure. The foreclosure hasn't happened yet. The homeowner has the opportunity to cure that foreclosure all the way up until the time the trustee attorney, which is the attorney hired by the bank or the mortgage company or the private mortgage holder, to represent their interest in the sale and they handle the auction. Up until that attorney opens their mouth to start the auction on that particular property, it can be pulled out of the sale. So you've got time to work this. You, you don't have time to 
dilly dally around, as my dad used to say, or fiddle faddle. Uh, you got to move, but you've got ample time to be able to get out there, run up, follow up on the leads, start looking through the list, start going, pulling your comps together, finding out. It'll tell you in most of these places, they'll tell you where they think the auction's going to start. And typically it's what's the, the owed balance on the note. That doesn't mean that's what it's going to go for. They will start and they the trustee attorney will say, hey, uh, the opening bid is 375. And that will be the balance of the note. And the bank or the mortgage company is bidding that. And, and then they'll see what happens. And if nobody bids, sometimes they, they the trustee attorney just says, okay, sold, boom. And that means the bank or the mortgage company has retained ownership. And then they're probably going to give it to their real estate agent and try to, to sell it and, and get more for it. Sometimes they will say, the bank or the um, owner has given me the authority to open the bid at 200 when it's a 350-0, just to see if they can get some interest going in it and see what happens on it. So be prepared for what you're willing to pay. This is the number one mistake I think people make when they're buying foreclosures. Is in our buying anything break? at auction. Yeah. When they're buying are anything at auction, break? I want you about to say, have, have that bottom line number. Don't go over it, no yeah. matter what. That's your drop dead number. And, and real quick, before we go into break, we, we were talking about the three different ways you're going to buy a foreclosure. What we didn't mention is your option number four, which is a pre-foreclosure, which we've covered in a different show. Uh, and maybe we'll cover another time. We're coming up on a break. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Bill, uh, or take the, the, the wind out of your sails. But yeah, bottom line number. Make sure you know what it's going to be and don't go over it, period. We're up on a break. We'll see you back here in a minute. And we are back, uh, segment number two. And real quick, too, uh, as far as resources for finding foreclosures, uh, there are local resources, but honestly, foreclosure.com is a national service. It covers yep. you pretty much every every market that is worth anything. Uh, foreclosure.com, you can actually go to, it's kind of cool if you go to our website, investorguyspodcast.com, click on foreclosure.com. Based upon your IP, it's going to pull up foreclosures that are in your area. You can put in any zip code at all and it'll pull up foreclosures. It doesn't give you all the information, but it gives you literally the street that it's on, the city that it's in, and what the foreclosure amount is. Uh, once you've signed up for the service, it gives you even more information, but kind of a cool thing. Just check it out, uh, literally nationwide. Uh, so don't worry about the little local companies that you're going to sign up for foreclosure.com. And you can find that at investorguyspodcast.com. I'm going to let you continue on. We were basically, this show started off last show with debunking myths, by the way, show 186, um, right here, Yeah. uh, yeah. show 186. Yeah. 185, we started off debunking foreclosure myths. And these are myths that a lot of people have. Uh, we covered a couple of them. If you haven't seen that show, show 185, when you're done with this one, backtrack to 185 and check it out. If you're watching this and we've already got 187 and 188, watch that because those are going to be on foreclosures as well. Go ahead and, and, and continue where so, we left uh, off on 185. Yeah, well, we went down, um, and I will, I want to I want to hit this on where we went to the break, which was understanding what you're willing to pay. You know, people complicate our game. 
And I was with a real estate agent earlier this week looking at some property and, and she's asked me a bunch of questions. Don't you have to do that? I'm like, look, figuring out what you pay for a property is incredibly simple. Uh, speakers try to cloud it up because they're trying to sell something, but find out the after repaired value. We all know if you've been around this game at all, you've heard that a gazillion times. You find out what this property is going to sell for if it were in tip top shape. I don't care the condition that it's in right now on establishing this number. I want to know if this house is in perfect condition, it's drop dead gorgeous. What's it going to sell for? Cause that's what I'm going to sell it for. And likely I'm going to sell it for about five to 10% more than that. But I want to find out what the top end of the market is. Then I want to pull off my profit which is 20% minimum of the retail value of the property. Now we're talking about flips, minimum, 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 minimum. I've got to pull out cost. I pull out eight and a half percent for cost. I pull out two and a half percent for closing cost. Is that more than closing cost is going to be? 99% of the time, yes. But I also like to have a little money in there in case I need to get a survey do some other things. So I, I put in two and a half percent there. That leaves six percent. And I know a lot of you are way ahead of me. Oh, but Bill, the seller pays it on the purchase. So you only need three. No, I put six in because I'm going to sell it and I'm going to have three of that on my end when I sell the thing. So I want it accounted for on the front end. So I pull off eight and a half percent to cover expenses. Then I start looking at what the rehab is going to be what I think it's going to be. And when I get that number, and that's the real science in a flip, in my opinion, is understanding your rehab numbers. And, and by the way, you can't buy a wholesale property uh, if you don't understand the rehab side of it. Whether you do flips or not, a uh, wholesaler that doesn't understand inside out the rehab process got no business being a wholesaler because they can't tell you what the they think the rehab budget be. I, I see property regularly where they go, well, it's about $8,500 in rehab. And I'm like, obviously you've never done a rehab. Uh, $8,500, you say you buy a house and say, all it needs is getting the grass cut. And you'll find out it's more than $8,500 by the time you get through with it. So the house needs absolutely nothing. You spend 10,000 on it and blink. Uh, so I want to find out what the rehab is going to be. I did take my rehab number out of that. And now I'm starting to get into the range that I'm willing to pay for the property. And I want to compare that to what they think the property uh, is going to take to buy the property. And if that range is, if their number is $40,000 over my number, I'm probably not bidding on it unless it's a very high end property where 40,000 is going to be a, a pretty small percentage of, of the pricing on it. And depending on what part of the country you're in, that may or may not be true. But understand what you're willing to pay. Kevin said it perfectly. Do not go above that number, period. Don't get caught up in the excitement and the emotion of an auction. The whole reason that people do auctions is so that we can get the excitement and the emotion and the desire up. Boy, if you want to look at, at auctions that go out of control, Watch the Barrett Jackson auction sometime, the car auction uh, on TV. Uh, there's another one that, that does them too. I can't remember their name right now, but watch some of those car auctions and you'll see, especially men, 
they'll get into it and they'll start bidding and it becomes a macho thing. That guy's not going to outbid me. I'm going to win. And a lot of times they overpay for what they're buying and it's ego guys. So know what you're going to pay when it hits that point back off. If it goes for $2,000 more than that, it goes for 2000 more than that. Just back away from it. You'll be glad that you didn't overpay for a property. So yeah. understanding your numbers in the real estate game is crucial. It doesn't matter what part of real estate you're playing in. Understand your numbers inside out. So if I know what I'm willing to bid, I go, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's no different if I'm dealing with a real estate agent and I'm submitting a contract. I'm just going to put in the numbers that work for me. If it works for the seller, great. If it doesn't, it's okay. There's I'm moving deal. on. Yeah, I'm moving on. So when you're looking at foreclosures, that's a crucial piece of it. And so Kev talked about, we got multiple ways to buy. You know, we can buy, uh, you can buy a tape. You're typically going to be in a, um, if you're a beginner, you're not likely uh, going to be in the tape game because it takes a significant amount of resources. It takes typically several million dollars to buy a tape. Um, but those properties also can end up being bought through a local real estate agent that the bank chooses because the bank doesn't want to deal with you and I because they may have 230 properties they're dealing with. They don't want to deal with a thousand prospective buyers calling and trying to work out deals. They hand it off to a real estate agent. It's a very efficient system for them. They hand it off to a real estate agent, let the real estate agent filter through all the nonsense, then all the real contracts or real offers and get it down to a few and go back. And then they, they'll meet with uh, whoever's managing the portfolio for the bank and say, okay, I got five properties here. We've got offers on all of them. Some of them will have multiple offers. Some of them won't. Here's what I think is best and go over it. And those meetings are typically fairly short because it doesn't take long for the asset manager to look at it and go, that number worked. Yeah. Let's go with that. Okay. On this property. Yeah. None of that works. Put it back on. Um, I'll take this one. If they can go 10 more, we'll take it on that one. You know, stuff like that. And those meetings are pretty efficient, pretty fast, but you've got to know, here's what I'm willing to pay and do not break that number or you will regret it, whether it's on this house or down the road. And if you do, you better hope you regret it on the first one. Cause if you get by with it on the first one, you're likely to do a little more of it on the next one. When somewhere down the road, when you get bit, you're going to get bit hard. Yeah. I tell students to write it with a Sharpie on their hand so they can look at it while they're at that auction they can look at it each time they 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 make that offer look at it make sure they don't go over that number write it on a sharpie on your hand that way if you go over it you know there's no reason for you to go over it because you've got that right there on your sharpie on your hand do not go over it it's not worth it even for an extra hundred bucks for an extra thousand dollars you've worked your numbers your numbers work at this number here if you go over that number your numbers no longer work. If you go under your number, great. That's all profit. That's gravy. That's 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 beautiful for you. If you go over your number, it doesn't work. And you're going to see this. If you stick to your number, you're going to go to auctions where you're going to see people go over. You're going to see people go over significantly. And you're going to tell yourself, I don't know how they're going to make this profitable because I ran the numbers and I know that this is your drop dead number. Okay. Maybe they've got somebody in the business who can do it for a little bit less, but you're going to see people go over 
thousands, even tens of thousands more than what you were planning on investing because they have a personal reason that they want to buy it. They like the way it looks. They like the neighborhood. They like the way it smells. There's something personal. They're not buying it for a strictly investment strategy. They're not looking at the numbers. They're looking at it as from a personal standpoint. And that's a crucial point to remember. If you're going up against a homeowner, somebody who's planning on living in the property, they're always willing to pay for more for the property than you and I are willing to pay. And so sometimes when I step away from a property and I see it like Kevin's talking about, go for thousands and thousands over what I was willing to pay for it. I go, hmm, they're probably living in the property. I'm not worried about if they're an investor because they're an investor. They're not going to be in the business long. This is the danger of people that jump out there, especially when we're in a really hot market or we're coming out of a hot market and we have what I refer to as the hot market hangover, where people think, man, the market's so strong, I can jump out there and, and I don't have to have education and training. I know and I've bought five or six houses in my life to live in, I got this. And they get hammered yeah, because they don't understand the investing game. Don't let that be you. Avail yourself of the resources that we have at InvestorGuysPodcast.com and learn more about how to do this and how to do it the right way. Now, I would imagine we're probably coming we up. We are on up break. on a break, so we'll be back in just a second. And we are back. Segment three, uh, foreclosures, foreclosure myths, do's and don'ts, and just literally make think of it like this when you go off on a trip or a camping trip or a trek or if you go off to or whatever you make sure you've got everything you need packed in your bag you've got all the tools that you need you've got everything you need so that you have a a the experience that you want to have so that you're not lacking think of each of your investment strategies the same way make sure that you have packed up your tool bag and sometimes that's that is literally actual things that you will need. Uh, sometimes it's virtual things. Sometimes it's just being prepared in your head. Make sure you have everything you need before you go off on this adventure. So for example, if you're going to show up at the steps of the courthouse, make sure you're showing up with a cashier's check for that number that you've written on your hand. No more. If you do that, chances are you're not going to spend anymore because you've got a cashier's check for this amount. Okay. Show up with that cashier's check, certified funds, so that if you do get that bid for that property, then you're good. I would also recommend if you're going to the auction, there are multiple properties that are sold on the steps of that courthouse. Okay. Understand what those other properties are. Maybe you don't get your property. Maybe you have a drop dead number for another property that that cashier check is going to cover. Uh, make sure that you have, have done your homework so that you're not wasting your trip there. Uh, you're going to go and you're going to have that number and somebody's going to bid more than you. And that's just the way it is. And you're going to go home and you're going to have nothing. But you put that money back in the bank and you use it for another strategy or you wait until next month and you go again. Or you have a backup that you're going to get this other property or this other property, this is property, or you may not. Okay. But as long as you haven't overspent, you're still okay. Uh, but make sure you have everything packed up, ready to go. You know what you're doing. You've got all of your resources in place. You know what contractor is going to do this job. 
You know how much they're going to charge you. You know how long it's going to take because you've dealt with them before. Or you've spoken with them before. Be prepared. The Boy Scout mottos. Be prepared. Uh, you wouldn't go on a camping trip or a vacation without making sure that you had everything you needed. Don't do this on an investment strategy of any type foreclosure or any other type make sure you have what you need and that includes education a little bit of education is a, is a dangerous thing and it's funny because i have gone to uh real estate seminars that they've done in, in different places okay and a week or two later have been at an auction or something like that and seen many of these people there overzealous eager don't know what they're doing. They're just excited because they're still pumped up on all those 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 pheromones that uh, they got from taking this this event where they buy 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 and this is how you do it, and they make mistakes. And it is it is a sad horrible thing to watch, uh, but I guess that's how you learn your lessons. But make sure you learn your lessons from education make sure you learn your lessons from a book make sure you learn your lessons from somebody speaking to you instead of learning your lessons by your wallet biting you in your butt because there's no money in it yeah and you certainly remember uh learning the hard way uh but most of us don't have the time or the money to get that education because it is an expensive education when you go out and you make mistakes buying property and most people uh, one or two deals that uh, they overpay for, they're out of business. And so it's it's worth getting the proper education uh, from somebody that does the business day in, day out. It's one of the things that the reason that Kevin and I love doing this stuff together is he and I are both involved in the business day in, day out. Uh, I've got rental property. I've got four flips going on right now, uh, trying to buy a couple more this week. So, you know, it's just what we do. It is our business on a day-to-day -day process. And as long as you're doing it like that, you're learning from people that are in the business and they're in the business on a daily basis. They've been in it for a while. Both of us have been doing this since God created dirt. Well, it, it kind of seems that way. We're both 30 plus years in this thing. And so there's a lot of experience here. So, Join us each week. You're going to have a lot of fun. We hope we're going to try to make it entertaining. And, you know, you're just going to learn the right way to do the business. We're going to do a show. We may do uh, the whole next show on buying subject two, which is a very uh, good part, crucial part of being able to acquire property that is in pre-foreclosure. So we, I don't know, we don't have time uh, to go into that no, today. Definitely, definitely don't today. But the other thing too is, is going, we're wrapping up a year. We're going into a new year. Okay. One of the things that Bill and I are going to focus on for each and every one of you is providing more resources. We're going to put more resources up on the webpage. We're going to talk about more resources. Uh, start checking out investorguyspodcast.com for resources. We're going to start loading up as much as we can. Uh, might even find some properties that we have that we need to wholesale out and we'll throw those up there. Okay. Um, as many resources as possible. And while I'm on the, on that topic, Bill, if you know of, or if any of you guys are interested in, it is right now, mid December, December 15th, when the show is airing, uh, I have a builder in Sebring, Florida, who has 17 houses that he just wants to blow out. He said any offer at all that makes sense, he's interested in taking it. So if any of you are interested in a brand new property 
in Sebring, Florida. Yes, that is the same Sebring where the racetrack is. Uh, Sebring, Florida, uh, for whatever deal that you can make with the builder, let me know and I will pass that information on to you. Uh, Kevin at InvestorGuysPodcast.com. Uh, and what's the, the range that we might think uh, about? I, I think you're probably looking at around uh, between high twos and mid fours. Uh, and if you have any questions, just, just send me an email and I'll get you the information. It is a uh, a person who I've worked with before in Sebring. And uh, they, like I said, just want to get out of it. Uh, want to wrap up that one so they can move on to their next project. And a lot of times you'll see this with builders, uh, especially yep. if you buy new properties. Uh, when they are finished with their development, they just want to blow out those last properties. They've already made their money. Okay, because when they started this thing three, four, five years ago, prices were here. They set all of their margins here. And in a market like what we've had over the past five years, it is shot straight up. They have made all their money on these properties. Uh, they just want to get rid of this because any revenue that they get, they can put it into their next project. And right now, when the real estate market is looking the way it is looking, uh, they want as much revenue to go into a new project as possible to make sure that they're securitizing all of the uh, all of their goals, essentially, all of their assets, all of their aspirations, everything else. So you'll see this happen across the board, no matter what the market is. When a builder is finished with their project, they're going to let the last projects that are already sold, the last, the last homes that are already sold, they're going to let them go at a deep discount or at face value. They're just, they, they need to get out of it because they want to move on to the next project. Nothing wrong and with the homes. Maybe, they come with all the warranties and everything. Sorry. Think, hey, Kevin's saying they're finished. Well, you just said they got 17 homes. They're not finished. No, it's a different in perspective. If it's a 400 house subdivision, they get down to these last few. A lot of times it costs them so much resources to have that constant having people there. Uh, they just, like Kevin says, mentally they're done. They want to get all of their energy focused on this other project they got going on, they want to wrap this one up, be done with it, move on. And you can get some really nice buys there at the very end. And so don't think of it the way you think of it. Try to put yourself in the other person's shoes, whether it's a bank, whether it's a builder, whether it's a mortgage company, whether it's a seller, just an individual seller, and try to figure out why is it that they are selling these and that gives you some insight of what uh, many times what you can do pricing wise. And uh, so I always try not to assume somebody's thinking this or that. Just once you learn like the bank environment, we went through that in show 185 a little bit about how banks look at things. And we'll go through that uh, on another show really more in depth on why banks are willing to take discounts on these properties when most of the time, uh, you might be sitting there thinking, well, the bank, why do they have to take a discount? They got all the money in the world. That's not how that works. Uh, and so when you understand what goes on on that side of the game, it makes, I love buying properties for banks. Absolutely love it. Um, and part of it is I don't have any uh, emotion, any seller emotion involved in it. Makes it one of the reasons I enjoy buying that. It can just be, hey, Let's draw our swords and let the blood fly where it may. Now, I'm not um, taking lunch for dinner off of somebody's table by buying it at a discount. 
whatever damage has been done was done long before I got there to a, an individual seller. Uh, if they lost their property uh, or they just gave it up, now we're, we're dealing with an institution and there's no emotion involved in it. We're just going to go and cut the best deal we can. We are done with this show. Thank you for joining us. Uh, join us again here for show 187 and 188. Uh, we're going to continue this theme on until we've covered more. Uh, make sure that you've got at least some some, some heavy-duty tools in your tool bag uh, before yep. you set up on this adventure. Bill, it's great seeing you. I'll see you here in another day or so. You got it. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Great luck.